The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. How many keepy uppies are too many? Rolls Royces at the snooker. Can it be a goal drought if you've never scored for the club in the first place? A wild weekend with Jonathan Pierce. Fans in trees and other footballing vantage points. The least textbook knee slide in Premier League history. The match of the day, Seagull Woman Noise Revelation. What are the classic football departments? Football speak invades the Grand National. Real Madrid's ballerinos. The controlled fury of I follow. And will pundits always rely on asking themselves their own questions? Mm, maybe. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 250 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. In How the are flesh. You? In the 3D. flesh. This is great. I think it's the first time we've done it since February 2020 when the three of us did one on football commentary. Mm. Yeah. Remember episode that? two, I think that was. Bit later. You've Topic got I mean you've got the list, episodes. haven't you? Yes, I do. Nice little spreadsheet. Looking forward to seeing your fury in the flesh when I talk over you. So it's going to be good. Um, alongside you, David Walker. How's things? Very good. Yeah, we're here in the Athletics' lovely studio for the first time. Hopefully you can hear the ramping up in audio quality for the adjudication panel today. Let's kick things off with this. Now, I've expressed my fury before, Charlie, at the Guinness World Records and the way it's disintegrated into a complete mess. But quite intrigued by this one. A football-mad youngster put his skills to the test to bag an impressive Guinness World Records title. Ten-year-old Tang Jin Fan of China managed to juggle a football with his feet an astonishing 8,147 times to earn the record for the most football touches with alternating feet in one hour. Fair play. What an honour. Yeah. How many could you do it when you were 10? Do you know what? I remember finding it harder than I should have done. I was was an alright footballer. And getting really annoyed by it, being like, well, what does it matter anyway? It's not like you're ever going to do it in a game. Yeah, it's true. Which is kind of my, was my default reaction then to things I wasn't good at and probably is still the case now. My cynical mind, Dave, fast forwards, you know, 15 years into the future to find out where Tang Jin Fan ends up. And then The Athletic do a nice little long read about his, uh, his Guinness World Record exploits. What do you think the future is? For Tang Jin fan. Well, it'd be nice to think that he could turn his prodigious talents into a fully-fledged footballing career, wouldn't it? But I imagine it's more likely that he'll end up as a, uh, a you know, a freestyler, skills, YouTuber, TikToker. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. It could be the Chinese Scott Parker. Mm. Or I, I keep thinking of Sonny Pike. Yeah. Yeah. This is possibly a Sonny Pike trajectory, isn't it? But that's fine. That's fine too. But good luck to him. A very limited skill set, Dave. He's going to need to round his game out a bit more, I sense. Yeah. He really wants to make it. 8,147 times. In an hour. Yeah. I mean, imagine the tedium of actually counting that as well. Who's counting it for him? Just sitting yeah, Not there. him, surely. Well, I watched a bit of the video, Charlie. And, it, you know, 
keepy-uppies, as we understand them, are there's a bit of height involved. But you know, to get the number of touches involved, to get the cadence going, it was proper little sort of tippy-tappy, oh, really? shin-height keepy-uppies. The, the the pressure on the calves, I can feel it. Yeah, that burning. Not fun. Absolutely burning after yeah. that. Anyway, look forward to seeing what happens to young Tang Jin Fan in the future. I do like the fact that the last line of the article that you found from the Guinness World Records website said, by September 2022, Tang had already achieved 7,056 consecutive juggles with his left and right feet within 50 minutes. And his coach saw his potential to be a record holder. <laughs> Only after 7,000 did he think, mm, I think he's got a chance of doing another 1,000 He here. could do, do 8,147, no problem. He's there, just needs a little bit more. He's not quite there, but yeah, fine. Um, I feel inadequate now, at least, even more so. Right, first little observation from our listeners comes from Drew Thompson. A couple of football-y bits from the Snooker World Championship, Dave. First up, this is um, Ken Doherty describing Neil Robertson's cue action and then off the ball on Radio Scotland talking about one of the uh, one of the legends of the game. Such a wonderful potter. He's got a Rolls-Royce cue action. He was doing a thing, sorry, uh, Davis, when he was for his break, Mm -hmm. but he was no confident about it, and he would just nestle it in at the back. Yeah. A really slow break. That's when he was kind of losing the touch in the game, I think, at that point. But back in the day, he was was a Rolls-Royce. He was amazing. He was great. Great era. Dave, I I put it to you that snooker is sort of mid-table, positively mid-table in the Rolls-Royce universe. I I think it lends itself quite... Nicely too. It's a smart sport. It requires smoothness and consistency. It's a it's a well upholstered sport as well. <laughs> Probably the most well upholstered. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine Rolls Royce sponsoring a snooker tournament as well, Charlie. Which mm. Helps the way they move. Even not just the smoothness of the ball moving, but the way they move kind of around the table in that slightly purposeful way. Well, that's, yeah, that's my fear. Dave, it's not quite physical enough to be a Rolls Royce sport. No, but they never rushed. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think they move with a certain grace, even okay. if they're not moving at speed. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks to Drew Thompson and Ryan Mayer for those. Um, meanwhile, on Monday morning, Dave, Iran's Hossein Vafai beat Ding Junhui to record his first ever win at the Crucible. And uh, after he potted the decisive black, he did a, he did a finger wag celebration <laughs> to the camera. <laughs> I don't think the Crucible... I mean, I know the Crucible's loosening up in recent years, but yeah. kind of. Yeah. Where does it end? Shushing Shirts the Crucible off. crowd. Well, <laughs> the knowledgeable. You're not so knowledgeable now, are you? <laughs> the knee slide on the carpet <laughs> would be difficult. On the bays. <laughs> Don't do it on the bays. Don't touch the bays. Hopefully more snooker to come throughout this month. Anyway, next up, Raul Venkat. A troubling query for us, Charlie. says, the Guardian headline reads, Diego Costa ends his Wolves goal drought in victory against Brentford. Raul says, can it be termed a goal drought if the player has never scored for the club before? Interesting question. Never considered it before. I sense no. It's more of a breaking your duck situation, isn't it? Yeah. But I think maybe they've just misplaced. The word wolves doesn't need to be in there. I mean, it, you can have a... If he hasn't scored for however many games across clubs, that's still a goal drought, I don't right? think anyone cares about his goal drought pan clubs. Hmm. But I think the technical issue here is, is it allowed to be a drought if he hadn't scored for them in the first place? 19 appearances, 909 minutes. I suppose if a river had never been full of water at any point, <laughs> it wouldn't be a drought, I literally, suppose. That, that's yeah. actually really good. No, that's absolutely fine. That's probably one of your better Literally Dave moments, actually. Um, completely agree. Yeah. You, yeah, you can break your duck. It's a break. Your, I think it kind of makes sense, but I think just because there is break, breaking your duck is there for that specific purpose. I think after a while... It's not breaking your ducks. That isn't a big deal enough. I think this is 
this is a classic case of ending his long wait for. You don't think it, you, you think there's a point at which you're no longer breaking your duck? Yeah, it feels too casual. Feels too sort of flippant. Right. Well, so what do you think is the kind of optimum? Ten to twelve. That many? Yeah, for for duck break. So it's kind of finally broke his duck. Finally broke his duck. Yeah, yeah. Five, three to five is is duck breaking standard. Then it's finally breaking your duck, and then it's ending your long wait. <laughs> so, his long-awaited first goal. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the other end of the goal-scoring spectrum, Erling Haaland notched his forty-seventh goal of the season. Dave Lodz writes in and said. He heard someone say that's his 47th goal of the campaign. Lodd says, I might be wrong, but I thought campaign referred to whichever competition they're playing in, i.e. the Premier League, not all competitions as a whole. What does it mean to you? A league, you have a league campaign, but maybe it is more competition specific. I think if I heard that, I would, I would take it as read that they were talking about all competitions, mm. I think. I think it does work both ways. You can talk about someone's Champions League campaign, yep. the league, you know, Premier mm. League campaign, cool. whatever. Can you have an FA Cup campaign? It's more chancy, be, It'd isn't be it? weird, but you could. Yeah, I, th- I think campaign in that context is totally interchangeable with season. I mean, if I think about when I use campaign, I just use campaign as a second mention season. Yeah, but campaign's got, there's more subtext to it, Charlie. There's, the campaign is something you're setting out to do. So, which is probably why it doesn't lend itself to FA Cup because you don't really set out to win the FA Cup. I mean, it, it might happen, or you might get there, but it's not something you start your season thinking. So, it's, it's Carabao Cup campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something you set out to do. It's something you strategize, and therefore that's why it should be competition specific rather than all comps. Mm, but I think it has just become like in that context. If, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. How do you feel about term as a second mention for season? <laughs> I would never use this it term. I, I wouldn't say it out I th- loud and I wouldn't write it. I think you'd have to be really struggling. I'm sure I have used term if in like desperate times last term. If, if there's a lot of seasoning campaigning going on, maybe like a this term or last term, but it's, it, it is a bit jarring. Season campaign term. Then, Dave, you're, the only thing you've got available to you now then is year. I was going to say, you've got year, you but... Get, people sort of know what you mean. But the rise of the, the calendar year <laughs> yeah, statistic no, yeah. muddies Fuck the waters. It. There's Fuck also it. this thing now. I do think people have to clarify you know, his however many Premier League goal, because otherwise I think you are then in the realms of, but he's scored a few more in all comps. Okay. Because you'll hear people do it and not actually specify Premier League. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, I would accept campaign for all comps, actually, lots. Meanwhile on Haaland, I love this. Alfie writes in, Dave, says, is there any player who the term herring after it has been more appropriate for than Haaland? He's a real hairer after. It's the running style, isn't it? He is quite hairy. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Herringy. Yeah, I think because it's just, it is sort of, there's a manic quality to him. It's sort of all arms and legs. and It's quite scary, isn't it? The idea of sort of him chasing you down. Yeah. It's tearing and it's tearing. He's mm. tearing after mm. the ball. He's tearing after the defender. He's not a relentless presser, but he is a good hairer. Yeah, I think it's one of the most accurate forms of ambulation I've heard for a footballer in recent times. Now, David Wilding and Dan Kilpatrick got in touch about this. This is Jonathan Pierce on duty for West Ham Arsenal describing the London Stadium atmosphere on Five Live. It's going to be a throw to West Ham United in the crowd. It, it's, this stadium is, it, it is bizarre. It's, it's like a, I don't know, like a, a, a Sunday stroll out sometimes. It's so quiet. Yeah. And then it's like, a, it's like a full-on dance club on a mental Saturday night sometimes. In comes the throw from uh, so far. <laughs> My weekend with Jonathan Pierce, um, Dave. This is great. I'd do either of those things with Jonathan Pierce. Yeah, although I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, when was the last time he went to a 
a, a nightclub a on a mental Saturday night out. Just a dance club's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the haircut, the timing of the here comes the throw is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Gets there. him out of it. Yeah, it? he's really Thanks, just because oh, with both examples, he's, he's really like struggling to locate a specific example, and then here comes the throw. That's because his weekends for the last I don't know thirty eight yeah, years have been true. in a gantry at a stadium, which I guess. Wouldn't have been a very good example to use, really. When was the last time he went for a stroll in a park with 60,000 other strollers? <laughs> <laughs> really flat atmosphere. Just like, randomly someone boos out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Elsewhere, more troubling commentary, actually, from the London Stadium on Sunday. This came from Craig Blackhall. He says, Can we have a firm clampdown on Seb Hutchinson describing the Arsenal game against West Ham like this? That'll be a throw into West Ham United. Well, that'll certainly lift the crowd as well. And would have lifted the Arsenal fans last week. Well, you feel so much about football. It's just pure vibes, Jamie. Right now, they're very much in West Ham United's favour and a problem here for Jesus. Pure vibes. <laughs> I don't mind it. Could you see Martin Tyler rolling out of pure vibes? I don't think it would sound as good coming from Tyler. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I quite like it. It, it, just make, it makes sense. Do you know what's really weird about this is that I had... Um, this game at this point on my phone and for some reason on my app the subtitles were on and I wasn't able to turn it off and I was like whatever and I, and I was sort of half watching it and I saw that Pure Vibes appeared and I, I'd forgotten and I was like am I I was like did, that, did I really see that and also because it often gets things wrong because it is a trend I was like that must be yeah. They must have misheard that or something. Like a player's name or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're often like saying right. things in a slightly weird way. So he actually did say Pure Vibes that's extraordinary. Not dead against it. Um, it's, it's a phrase we encounter. You don't think it's a bit twittery? Uh, it's a bit you've got to Erling Haaland doing Erling Haaland things. You've got to open your mind to this sort of thing. I want to hear Martin Tyler say something like, this has got, got real Barclays energy about it. <laughs> no, but that's too, that's, that's too obscure and too knowing. Fine. Pure vibes makes more sense in the situation. Yeah. With yeah. the booze and all that in the background. <laughs> okay, you're accepting of that. How do you feel about this? Charlie, Tom Fleming writes and says, just heard on uh, US coverage of the West Ham Arsenal game. Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition here in the United Kingdom, is in attendance today. But West Ham are the ones really labouring. <laughs> I haven't got the audio for this. I wish I did. Um, I like the spirit of that. How smugly that last bit must have been delivered. <laughs> so that presumably would have been possibly Peter Drury. Oh, I wonder. Who, it would be one of the English commentators. Yeah. I, wonder if, I wonder if that went over the heads of any the American viewers. I'm sure it would have viewers. Yeah. But nice. Yeah. yeah. Now, disturbing scenes over in La Liga, Dave. Some fans climbed a tree, a huge tree, I'm told, to watch Barcelona's visit of Getafe. Here's how the ESPN commentators called it. Having to keep an eye on the Rafinha. Hello. I hope nobody in authority spots them. <laughs> well, because we did. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think the health and safety angle would be the first thing I mean they are obliged to call it the best seat in the house Dave that is the law surely yeah. yeah and when you when you think of if you told me oh, did you see those fans sitting in that tree the other day at, at Getafe like that wouldn't be the image that comes to mind it's quite a spiky sort of prickly tree mm, that and is. the heads are just popping out it's really from the canopy yeah that is exotic tree situation but Charlie I feel uncomfortable about this transcending the FA Cup first round mm. This just shouldn't belong yeah. in any it, other league. Was it the, belongs in our league, at, in our cup. At Filbert Street, couldn't you do that as well? I seem to remember there were people, there were certain vantage points you could get. 
I'm glad you raised vantage points because I wanted to I wanted to kind of rank and rate other vantage points for football. Looming tower blocks. Yeah. I'm happy for that to be sort of European away tie. You know, that can be Podgorica or something like that. Mm-hmm. Someone could be watching from a looming tower block. I think Stoke had that kind of hillock yeah. in the corner of the ground where theoretically you could peer through the fence and see a bit of the And game. they've blocked it up now, I think. Yeah. But um, let's see, that's fine. I'm, I'm all for... Uh, yeah, if, there are, a grassy if, there, if there's a grassy knoll <laughs> you can sit on, or if mm. there's a, a, you know, like going into the uh, one of the flats in Leighton Orient Stadium, for yeah. example, and watching that, that's fine. But the, the, sitting in a tree, that, that tree at Getafe or any other tree, is it worth it? <laughs> or any it other It must tree. be quite annoying to sit in a tree for an hour and a half. It's not comfortable. It looked like they, I mean, yeah, it didn't look very stable. Do you think they get, do you think they get down out of the tree at like 42 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to gonna beat the rush because <laughs> there's a queue getting down the tree. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable about it extending to other countries. I didn't know they did that in other countries. didn't know they were allowed. Nor can I abide this, Dave. Toronto FC tweeting out the score at the halftime break with this. Knotted at ones as we head into the break. I cannot think of a worse way to say 1-1. One, one. Wow, I've, I've never heard that before. Knotted at ones. Knotted at ones. I mean, I don't mind the knotting. Like, it's not a bad analogy for a draw, for a, you know, for a situation that is locked together Tied. tightly but mm. it didn't, it, didn't re- it looks worse as well it doesn't look good written down on twitter as we see it here um, i don't think it's one that's going to catch on i, I don't know if, it, if this is a popular saying in in canada or america it might be it might be um where, where would that sit in your hierarchy charlie of expressing a score as one one ones <laughs> one a piece one a piece yeah there aren't many ways are there one or one a piece one also, one. What would you get? So knotted at one apiece. Is it the ones that you don't like or the knots? I, I, I just like the ones more than the knotted. Yeah. But yeah, as, we've as talked as a about package. that before. And the time I was once told zeros was the score when I asked yeah, for a nil nil. Yeah. Which is even more, I think that's even more extreme. It's too kind of, it's just too casual. It's too kind of like, hey, once. once. Don't like it. This was a fascinating observation from the weekend, Charlie. Um, the Athletics' Richard Amofa noted that the, the time between Dango Watara's winner. For Bournemouth and then the knee slide that he produced must be the quickest in Premier League history uh, some context and some data for you Dave I can tell you it was a four yard knee slide which in the, in the grand scheme of knee slides isn't actually that bad you'd be surprised done well really to yeah. get four yards from visible yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also timed it and it was 1.95 seconds from the ball crossing the line to the knees being thrust forward in the knee slide motion that is an unacceptably short amount of time didn't even leave the penalty area, Dave. That, I mean, that is the amazing thing, yeah. It, he was almost like a, sort of one of those weird two-step penalty run-ups. Yeah. He's just gone for the knee slide almost immediately after beginning the celebration. S- still in the penalty area once the knee slide is finished. But in a way, I quite like it because the the, the sort of common variety of knee slide is so ubiquitous now. Mm. At, least it's, at least it's something a bit different. A new spin. It was just in, in such an unremarkable bit of the pitch, Charlie. But there are two explanations for this. One, overexcitement, just went for it and that's it two a little bit more thought went into it he saw that the corner he was gonna slide into probably just had loads of angry yeah, disappointed yeah. spurs fans and went mm, that's not i'm gonna have something thrown at me here yeah he almost just it's like a the next movement after scoring it just sort of like leads into it yeah he'll learn he'll learn and learn quick yeah now we've previously talked on this podcast charlie about um the unacceptably short time between a goal being scored on match day highlights and the score being updated in the corner this campaign seems to have had some sort of impact because i, I think they've changed it they've tweaked it slightly so it doesn't happen so quickly but other controversies have emerged danny mckenty 
says, I only noticed this week in the score graphic in the corner on Match of the Day, they put the higher score in bold. Do they not trust us to look at two numbers and identify which is bigger? <laughs> it's absolutely insane. I mean, is there a... I've, ne- have you not- I've not noticed that. I had never noticed it. I had to go and look. But wow. yeah, so when, t- when a team goes in the lead and until that score changes, their abbreviation and their number is in bold. Why? Really? Is it just... Just, you know, just it's just a visual flourish. It's the nanny state is what it is, Dave. I always wonder if the, is it, it's not an accessibility thing, is it? I don't think it is. Visually impaired think... or... We'll have a little dig afterwards, but I don't think it is. Uh, it is, yeah, it is odd, yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, they don't have it for the... When, when they're drawing, obviously no team is bolded up, so it should what be purpose? Cause it... Both both in bold. Depends if it's a good point for both or not. They, they can make an objective judgment on Some that. Some people aren't familiar with, I don't know. Whichever way the pure vibes are currently in favour of, <laughs> it should be in bold. If you thought that was niche and not worthy of our attention, try this one for size. St. Kevin has got in touch. It says, can you please finally address the match of the day seagull woman noise that has been haunting me for at least the last decade? Many thanks. Now, Dave, this is essentially the sequel to the Ellis James generic crowd noise that we didn't know we needed. Mm. Um, bear with me on this one. It's mind-blowing. I've dug into it. So these clips that I'm about to play span an 18-month period-ish on Match of the Day. So this isn't just something that happened at the weekend. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind in a way that I'd never even considered thinking about before. Here it is. This is the seagull woman noise on Match of the Day analysis. There's his movement there, the spinning behind. Slightly unlucky there that the ball didn't uh, didn't get to him. His ability to run with the ball, but then when he passes it... I what are you feeling about your, your club at the moment, though, Alan? Where, uh, spacing behind. And when he gets in there now, he's got the confidence to beat people, gets his shots away, Pope, Pope saved that one. Right, first things first, Dave, before we get onto the noise itself, this is the ambient crowd noise that they play over the post-match analysis of match of the day. It's just generic. I... I never thought about it before, no. but I would have always just assumed it was from that game. It's not. They play the same crowd noise over every bit of analysis. I've never noticed it before either. and uh, It's amazing. And it seems to be on quite a short loop as well. Yeah. It's just like five seconds mm. on, on loop there. I mean, you, you say um, uh, St. Kevin said, called it the seagull, seagull woman noise. Are we sure it's not a seagull? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I thought. Funnily enough, they didn't play it over the analysis of Brighton's goals against Chelsea. <laughs> Out of respect, I assume. Um, I feel like Dennis Hopper's character in Speed, Charlie, where he realises the video has been looped on the bus. Oh, yeah. And everything's a lie. I'm going to go that crazy about it. I guess it's... Well, it's just probably just a massive time saver for them. Rather than having to you know, record the audio, the amb- ambient noise of the crowd on a track that doesn't include the commentators yep. and, and sync mm. it up to the... And it has to be fairly mellow sound. It can't be yeah. the, sort of the goal going in and the crowd celebrating because a lot of the time it's in slow motion as well, the, the footage, so it would never marry up. But begs the question... Of they could have got any ambient crowd noise, and they've chosen the one, one with, with the, the seagull. seagull. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. They just they got it, and then they were like, "Oh, do you think anyone will notice the seagull? <laughs> oh, I can't be bothered to change it. Just leave it. It's fine. No one will notice." It. I'm gonna find the game. I was gonna say, w- what game is It'll it? It'll be on the BBC database, and they they tag it very efficiently. I can tell you. So I'm gonna find out which game had a seagull at it. <laughs> And then there's been immortalised on Match of the Day. Right, um, uh, this is really interesting, though. Yarmo Poritz writes in, says, the co-commentator in the Forest game for NBC said that's one apiece in the heavy challenges department, Dave. He says, I'm wondering what qualifies something for being a department. How vague and or specific can you go? I think this works, but I have a feeling it wouldn't always. Now, I'm going to ignore the example here because the heavy challenges department doesn't exist. It's not a department. But what are footballing departments? I think the, I think the standard thing you 
use it for was like they were better in all departments today. So what are the departments? Are they ever specified? No, this is the thing. No. They're never specified. <laughs> it, it's left open to our interpretation. So there are two ways of looking at it. Is it passing, shooting, movement, I think you could... technical aspects? Or is it like defence, midfield and attack? Are they the department? The goal-scoring department? That's a department. He's never been lacking in the confidence department. <laughs> okay. I think you might hear. I think they're well-stocked in the goalkeeping department. That's a department. Yeah, although that's more... That is a bit more <laughs> li- literal. <laughs> that's covered for the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, that, okay. Yeah, that's more internal. That's their squad. Going to need an emergency loan this weekend, lads. We're out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> the department's bare. <laughs> Anyone seen the uh, goalkeepers? There was one there uh, the other day. But no, I don't know. I don't know. Someone's nicked it. Anyway. Um, uh, but I think it... Uh, like, I don't mind the heavy challenges department. I think it is a phrase that can, can be vague or specific. You can, it is a sort of versatile word. Uh, traditionally, though, Charlie, footballing departments, do you think they're more position-specific or are they more kind of elements of football? No, I think when you talk about we were better in all departments, you're talking more elemental. We were outrun. Yeah, we're exactly. Out-thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. outmanoeuvred. Yeah. Out- because it feels more of a kind of mentality, attitude kind of thing. It's Because it's a manager bemoaning it, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I don't think... In the immediate aftermath of the game, a or manager a pundit. Is, could yeah. be a pundit. Yeah, they they were just they were just better in every department today, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more. Brought to your ears by the Athletic. This is football cliches. Now we had a bit of snooker, and uh, now we turn our attention to horse racing. Some tremendous stuff here. First up, match ball displays got in touch and said enjoyed Five Lives Grand National pre-race coverage. Um, specifically talking how about how horses and their jockeys jostle for position. There are 39 runners. There's one non-runner. There were meant to be 40, so there are 39 runners today. Is, is that the key to it? Certainly when you talk about the good luck and how you ride this, to, just to try and avoid those fur, the carnage that there may be at the first three or four fences as everybody tries to find position. It's trying to find a pocket of space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a prolific horse racing merchant, Dave, but um, does pocket of space work well for you in this context? It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I think it does work quite well. That is you know, such a tight situation, especially in the national. Is a pocket big enough for a big old horse? I love it, Charlie. Yeah. The idea, he's a sort of horse here. Yeah, you give him half a yard. <laughs> he just likes to play He'll between. He'll punish you. <laughs> likes to play between the lines. Just, just finds his little pockets. <laughs> Sometimes they go out wide. Yeah. There are some stretch, horses stretch the course. Yeah, yeah. chalk on their hooves. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, next up, Zach Clark. Charlie says, heard someone in the bookies say that a horse was good in the stable. Can a horse be good in the stable? It's like being good around the dressing room, presumably. <laughs> oh, is that? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I was thinking it meant like good, sort of good in the training, good on the training pitch. Right. I guess the same sort of thing. Yeah. First, first on the track. Yeah. Last off. Last to leave every morning. Is it an insult? Is it like? Is it like saying it's? He's good on the training pitch, but can't on, deliver. No, it's good on paper. Yeah. Right. He's great in the stable, but once he gets out there, I presume lets it just you down means, every time. I presume it just means they got like a good temperament. Like they're, I don't know. Maybe it's just that they're a shit horse, but they're just good to have around. Always pokes its head out. Good character. Never whinges about the hay. Yeah. Never bites your hand if you give it some sugar. Always there for a bit of advice for the young girl. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> um, listen to Charlie. Always got the music on. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, but he's clobber. <laughs> anyway. Which horse is longest in the oh, shower? You should, you should see his mane. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, listener Charlie gets the last word on this. He says, stables won't forget. Yes. Like that. Very good. Uh, but this was my standout moment of, uh, of the Grand National Day. AP McCoy expressing his disgust at the protesters, saying they're attention seekers and we're giving them attention. Most of them have never been in a stable. <laughs> <laughs> never played the game, Dave. I didn't think never played the game could extend to horse racing no. and people protesting for animal rights. Yeah, I mean, just say they've never been on a horse. <laughs> but you can't say that. You never know. Oh, yeah. Never been in a stable. Never been in, never been in a stable. Never Get in that out. stable and just poke your head out. You'll learn. Lay down on the hay. <laughs> um, right, moving away. Back into the realms of actual football. Um, this did the rounds at the weekend, but I, I feel like we must comment on it. This came from Peter Moxham, who put together this lovely little compilation of Salford City's I Follow commentator for their 1-0 defeat to Colchester. The first change, Samson to beat, walking off, applauding all four sides as though he's some sort of hero, which he definitely isn't. Freddie Sears will come on in his place. Colchester cheating the way to another win here. So throw and taken, back to Cairns, five minutes. That's a joke. I don't want to be bitter, but Colchester have cheated the way to that. That's most disgraceful second half performance by a visiting team here at the Peninsula Stadium all season. That's incredible. It is incredible. Now, Charlie, we've spoken on this podcast before about kind of, you know, completely kind of partisan mm. in-house commentators or, or club-affiliated commentators. This is different. This is an offshoot of this. This is the controlled fury here. It's almost never less irritation. So I'm not going to get too angry about it, but this is an absolute disgrace. This is better because it, it's <laughs> so bitter and dismissive. It's like, I'm not going to give them the credit. I think he, he must have, without having seen the whole game, Maybe there was a build-up of time-wasting, of incidents, mm. whatever it was. And I think at some point, he's just thrown the book out the window. Yeah. I, right, OK, I'm just going for it now. I'm Sod this. If they're going to do that, I'm just going to... Yeah, I mean, this montage starts in the 85th minute, so there's a lot of despair and disgust had built up. I, I wonder whether this is this is the sort of thing... You know, football, football can be so petty at times. And is this the sort of thing that like Colchester are going to make a complaint about use the use of the word cheat mm. yeah a club mm. statement will emerge yeah yeah, yeah. a ridiculously capitalised club statement or or in like the pre-match press conference of the next manager so we've heard some people you know certain commentators have been saying certain things but we do things a certain way here and we're proud of that and we got the three points <laughs> Put, put the compilation up on the dressing room wall, Charlie, and uh, see what they say in the... Uh, they probably the do have screens. They probably do have screens yeah. in all the dressing rooms, yeah. Right, next up, Nicholas O'Riordan was watching Irish TV before the Chelsea-Real Madrid game last week. Um, here's Brian Kerr talking about the elegant movement of Eduardo Camavinga. I'll just say on Camavinga, I have never seen a more elegant-looking player playing football, ever. It, just his running style when he's running with the ball and his composure and it just he's like he's like a, ba a ballet merchant to me how uh, Chelsea you want to say a ballerina it, there I wasn't going to say ballerina <laughs> I said ballet, ballet merchant so Pante in the middle that's of the pitch <laughs> that's an insult or right? no it, it means something special that is my favourite merchant of all time we're never going to get better than ballet merchant ballet merchant I love the pause he leaves while he's trying to think about it so we're now we are in merchant terms now Charlie we are so far away from the original intended usage of merchant which was kind of it was kind of more than a backhanded well less than a backhanded mm. compliment it was just kind of that's all he can do and now we're into the realms of something good he does and that he that means he is a merchant of it fine 
it's just so good that that in his when he's sort of going through his vocabulary that the, f- the language of football is so entrenched that merchant is the word. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, uh, I my brain can't compute the male version of ballerina, Dave. So ballet merchant, it is. That's exactly it. It's exactly ballet the dancer. thought process. Yeah. It's a ballet dancer. But yeah. Ballet also, dancer. Yeah. I don't think ballerina is. Is it necessarily? It must. Is no, it I don't think it is. I think it's either because it bloody is. I think we associate it. We think more of females, but I don't think a ballerina. Well, a female ballet dancer says the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah. Ina is. I once had the lead male ballet dancer from the Royal Opera House in on a radio show I was producing. We definitely didn't call him ballerina. Look, it comes from ballerina comes from the late 18th then, century from the Italian. But it's not ballerino, is it? Yeah, ballerino is the male is, is the masculine form. Feminine form is ballerina, and it means dancing master. Whereas a ballet merchant is surely the person what in the. The ticket office. It's the, it's the impresario. <laughs> the promoter. Yeah. She was a ballet impresario. Anyway, uh, anyway, enough of that. Right, now, Frank Lampard having a difficult start to his second Chelsea reign, Dave. Um, the problem with Frank Lampard is, and I've written about this before, is that he is so clearly preoccupied with looking like a football manager than actually doing the football management. Um, here he is out on the training ground in front of the Sky Sports cameras ahead of the Real Madrid second leg. Frank Lampard was actually looking pretty relaxed when he came in to take this training session. He hasn't got it at the moment, but he walked out with a, in his hand, gave everybody a, a smile and a, and a wave with his nun-tea holding hand. And so whether he's putting on a show of, of feeling relaxed... Or- uh, the missing words there were cup of tea, by the way, inexplicably bleeped out by Sky Sports News. Um, but, yeah, so Lampard's sort of juggling a ball and then with the whole cup of tea thing. I don't think I've ever seen a manager put more effort into looking relaxed before a big game in my life. Slightly too many keep-ups for me, though. He did about... He didn't mm. do 8,000, <laughs> granted, but he did do about... He could, he could <laughs> be a world contender. He was doing about 30 there, I think, I reckon, if you totted it up. And then was kind of trying to catch it on, like, on, a, on, on the sort of full at the end as well. And you just think, yeah, do you need to be doing that? Why are you doing that? just imagine him being interviewed you know, yeah fair play to the Chinese lab but you know we're just focusing on what we're doing here and well, that's for other people to talk about <laughs> uh, nice right we couldn't have a 250th episode of football cliches without this segment a glorious segment a segment that perhaps has gone too far it's keys and grey corner This was a delightful thing that popped into my inbox the other day, Charlie. Keezy giving a rare interview, a 45-minute interview about all things football with some gambling PR company or other. Uh, Naturally, Charlie, they asked him about VAR. He responded... This is just amazing. I mean, I got the email with it and obviously, mm. you know, you get sent a lot of these types of things and most of them, you know, you don't necessarily read or you think this isn't relevant to me. As soon as I saw Richard Keyes had linked up with a gambling company to talk, as you say, all things football, but especially refereeing, I was hooked. I was a, I'm, I'm a big advocate and big fan of Howard Webb's. Um, Dave Webb could have done a better job than Mike Riley. In fact, <laughs> What I like, it's just the most Keezy joke construction. His favourite thing is something like that. It's like Virgil van Dyke, more like Dick van Dyke. 
How many people who this company have linked up with? I mean, presumably it's a fairly young audience, which makes the Richard Keys link up mental in the first place. But the idea, how many of them would have heard of Dave Webb? I suggest very, very few. It's the and only th- Webb. He could have gone with Neil Webb. That would have been a little bit more contemporary, That's but still slightly more, miles but, away. Yeah, but obviously it's just, so, the whole link up is just amazing. And then for that to be included in their sort of highlights of it, that joke about Dave Webb. What other webs superb. are available? Dave, he could have gone with Radio 4 presenter Justin Webb. I don't think that would have helped. What other webs are there? Uh, you could have gone for... Um, a spider web could have done a better job. <laughs> Robert Webb of Big <laughs> yeah. Show. Robert Webb, yeah. yeah. He would have been terrible at it, yeah. Simon Webb from Blues, says producer Adam. Um, the World Wide Web. That would have web. been a good one. <laughs> the World <laughs> Wide Web. Simon <laughs> Webb would have been a good one to use, actually, Charlie, because it, it would have looked like Keezy doing his research to be down with the kids, but still missing by about five, uh, five si- to ten years. <laughs> at least, yeah. Simon Webb Simon from Blues. Web. Bit of extra context just to let us know he knows who he is. Um, brilliant, yes, pure keezy, but not quite as pure keezy as this. Uh, um, brilliantly, it got the it got, got the Twitter promo first. He did the tweet and then read it out essentially on be in. This was the original tweet. I failed to see what Julian Nagelsmann knows that Frank Lampard doesn't. If it's a straight choice between the two, I'd go with the legend that knows Chelsea inside out. Not someone who might have a more impressive PowerPoint display, but knows nothing about the club or our league. (laughs) Our league! He's done it! Nothing. Charlie, someone described this as chat GP keys. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Incredible. It's absolutely no perfect. Though. Couldn't get any better. <laughs> the world is going to end. It's going to be overrun by AI Richard Keys. <laughs> uh, right. I that, mean, 3.9 million views. That's a lot. Can't argue with that. No. I mean, you can he, see why having Test run it on Twitter. The old uh, studio microphones really feeling the full benefit for the, with the Richard Keys impression. Lovely, yeah. Hope I'm hitting the red with that. Um, yeah, he sort of seems like someone who would care about 3.9 million views of a tweet. Um, of course, naturally, he used his platform on Being Sports to simply repeat the point. What has Nagelsmann done? Okay, one. Bundesliga, but he'd be hard pushed not to. Coach of yes, by a minute coach. Yeah, yeah, you're But nothing else. Not no, so, no. So, what makes him preferable? Do we think? Is it because he is I German? Know, I know what you're going to say. And you, young. Well, Frank's young. Rides a skateboard. <laughs> what is Nagelsmann? 38, 36, 35. 35. He's 44. Frank Lampard. Yeah. Frank's got plenty of experience. He's, got, he's coached that club before. What Nagels makes them better? I don't know. They, they have a fixation modern day coaches of, and what modern day owners of English Premier League clubs have a fixation with a foreign name, a foreign coach, that they would be better. They're better equipped. They'll bring a brand of football that we can't produce by having British coaches, which is a nonsense, as we know. Of course it's a nonsense. But there can be no other reason then that Nagelsmann should be rated higher than Frank. Yes, he's won a Bundesliga title, but you're right. You'd be hard pushed not to be Bayern Munich. I just, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm amazed. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of this clip, Charlie, was us to um, laugh at Keezy banging the same drum all over again, but it, it completely got overridden by Andy Gray producing the greatest um, trying to guess something in football um, <laughs> device of all time. Going down, that's revolutionary. 38, 36, going down in twos. I've never heard it before. What is he, six foot one, five foot nine? <laughs> I mean, it did just bring to yeah the the legendary grey. I mean, when was Tony Blair prime minister? Seventies, eighties, eighties, nineties. Glorious stuff. But do you know what, Dave? I'm aware that recent keys and grey corners have increasingly been lacking Andy Gray. You feel like he's become something of a peripheral figure 
in their partnership. So, FAO Guinness World Records, because this must be a potential all-time best for pundits asking themselves the most yes-no questions in the space of 30 seconds. I have to say, because everybody is telling me they've made progress, but are they as good as the team that Mourinho left and won two trophies in, in that season? don't know. Uh, are they as good as the team that Solskjaer had finished second? Maybe not. Are they as good as the team that Van Gaal won the FA Cup with? Yeah, but it's no, progress from so, when so he what, took what over. Are, are they better? Well, no, it's from when he took you, over. You can only judge him from the day he yeah, took, he took over, over the club. And are they in a better position? Yes. yes. Are they better equipped? Yes. Well, I think it would... are, they, are they a happier ship? I would say yes. Yeah, but it right? would have been hard for that not to be the case. Yeah, after but that doesn't matter. It still is the case. And I think that's what Jason said. Dave, this is tremendous. It, it, and also, I mean, how many have you got? I counted nine there because I think there, were, there was a little flurry it was a quick fire round in the middle there and one question got two answers from two people so but where, do you, where do you draw the line it's so confusing but it, it leads me to think Dave I wonder if we can get to the point and maybe, maybe AI could do this for us but we could, could you have an entire football broadcast in and around a football game comprised purely of pundits just asking questions to, them, to themselves and that's it. That's the extent of the conversation. Yeah, well, that's the next challenge for AI Alan yeah. Smith. <laughs> but I love the rhythm of that, Charlie. You it's, know, a, it's a good device, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, Maybe. They th- are they thing X? Response Possibly. Y. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know is the best. Not sure. <laughs> we haven't seen enough. Oh, dear. Well, I hope you enjoyed that Keys and Grey corner. It, it really doesn't get more of a cross-section of the Keys and Grey experience. Will they win it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Will we be back on Thursday? Hope so. Hope so. Hope so. <laughs> Will you be with us? Maybe not. Right. <laughs> in your case, maybe not. Yes. Uh, cheers to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Nice to see you in the flesh. Mm. And you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Cheers. The Athletic.